Welcome to Milkshake Monday being brought to you by Fordos Productions. I am Anita Helm and tonight is episode 267, Your Approach to the Throne. Now, before I start, I want to share with you that this past week, we had the ability to actually share to the email subscribers to www.fordosproduction.org our e-newsletter in the those in the nose. So I want to make sure that if you did not receive an email for the latest November, those in the know, it's all important that you go and subscribe on the actual website. So that's very important. In which when you see the website, you will see that our new Four Doze Christmas ornament is there at the store. So if you go to the store, there's a choice that says apparel or the actual uh you know, the writings that we do. And we want to make sure that you can go onto the apparel store and you will see our 2023 holiday ornament. I think you will really like it. And there are going to be some other treats that are going to be added to the store in the next upcoming weeks. All right. So because we have a lot to teach tonight, we're going to jump right in. Now, let me tell you about each of the words that are significant in the actual title, Your Approach to the Throne. The key thing about your is that this is all about you. It's not about a stand-in. It's not about somebody, your mama, your grandmama, your husband, your brother, anybody else but you. Everything is focused on how you are approaching the throne, myself and you specifically. We have to focus on the person that is looking at ourselves every morning in the mirror and what is our attitude, what is our mental mindset when it comes to approaching God's throne. And I know you'll say, oh, I'm talking about prayer. Well, yes, there are many ways that we approach the Lord's throne in our prayer life, which we just learned recently, pray without ceasing. So, but I want you to understand that when it comes to what we are seeing now in the 2023, 21st century, there is a level of cavalier ambivalence when it comes to God. And we're going to talk about that because as even as we went through the pandemic and yes, we were forced to be shut in. But now that we have the ability to be open and come back to the houses of worship, we find that hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people would say, I'd rather just stay at home and watch YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. And I'll watch it on the TV, but I don't want to come back to the houses of the assembly. I don't want to assemble together with my family of God for whatever reason. Sometimes people are ill. That's true. But some of this is not about people being old or elderly and sickly and can't get there because of transportation. It's all about they don't want to be inconvenienced to go back into the house of worship. So your approach to the throne, that's the your approach. The approach is basically, it's not a strategy. But it is you in the posture of you wanting to come back, to come to God, not run away from him, but you want to go closer to him. And you want to do that in such a way that is respectful, is understanding who he is and who we are not. And the throne. Tonight, we're going to talk about the presence of God, but we're also going to talk about the actual throne. Many of us have heard many things about the Lord. And because of us knowing that God is a loving God, but also God is a holy God. And we can't just step 
before the Lord any kind of way with any kind of attitude and think he's going to accept it. So I'm going to show us some examples about that. And then we're going to spend a considerable time in Revelations 4 and 5 reading the scriptures. Not, you know, God says in his word that his word will not return void. Not what Anita Helm says or what any other person says in their opinion and their dissertation and what they think. No, we have to read the word of God because it's his word that he's anointed the Holy Spirit to tell the people who wrote it into the scriptures for us to receive it. And this is no time for those of us who say we love Jesus Christ, that we want to understand his word, all 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation for us to sit on our hands because the things that we're seeing, whether it's Russia or China, whether it's seeing Israel and Abbas and what's going on in Gaza and the wars, wars, plural, anti-Semitism, anti-everything, deception, lies, the elector being duped. This is no time to be cavalier with the things of God. So I'm going to show you in the beginning some examples. I looked up today and saw that there are 202 places in the Bible where it references the word presence. And I'm going to just outline a few verbs that when it talks about in the presence of the Lord, L-O-R-D, all caps, some of the verbs that we need to understand that when we come before his throne with his presence, with his glory, with his holiness, there are times that you will see, especially in the Old Testament, where these verbs are showing us about how the different postures, the different things happening in his presence. But in every time that you go before the presence of the Lord, you have to come correct. You can't just come any kind of way. And I'm not talking about your clothing so much, but I'm just saying your heart, your attitude, your reverence, the awe of the Lord. So look at these examples that I'm going to share with you of the verbs when it comes to coming before the presence of the Lord. Here's some verbs. Serving in the presence of the Lord, standing, eating, going up, ministering, rejoicing, casting lots, assigning lots, growing, making kings, testifying against, anointing, going out and standing, renewing the covenant, eating, drinking, and rejoicing. Listen to the scripture of Luke 1, 19, where you're going to see that Zechariah as a priest, and those priests back then, they had uh, actual rope on their legs with bells so that if they came into the presence of the Lord, performing their duties as priests at that altar, and they were not right, they did not come correct, they were dead. They died and they had to be pulled out. In this instant in Luke 1, where Gabriel is telling Zachariah, you're going to have a child. Your barren wife is going to have her womb open supernaturally to birth a son named John, who we know is the baptizer. So look what he says here when it comes to his station. And he's, he's an angel. He's a supernatural being. And that's the thing I think we have to understand. We're so used to being in this natural plane that we don't understand that with God, there's a supernatural realm. And yes, Jesus came down through 42 generations to take on, he was deity, but he also took on human flesh. But sometimes we get too comfortable. We too, get too comfortable and relaxed in the love, 
relax in the grace, relax in the tender mercies of God that we don't remember to have the reverence and respect. So Gabriel says to Zechariah, who's doubting, who's not having a belief, he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God in his supernatural capacity as an angel, not an angel with a soul. Angels can't be redeemed like us, but he's telling him, I stand in the very presence of God. And when God gives me a message as a messenger, I'm come to tell you something important. That's good news of which was not believed by Zechariah, who was a priest. In Revelation 7, 15, look at what it says. And we're going to go to Revelations tonight, but we're going to be in chapter four and five predominantly. But look at what seven, verse 15 says. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Now, I want us to go to Psalm 23. We're going to be there for baselining of some things. As I shared, because we see Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the loving capacity of what he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And because we see him in the love, there's something that we've gotten ambivalent about as believers in Christ. Even those people that say they love God can be ambivalent. We've gotten to the point that we see him as that loving shepherd, but now we're starting to take him for granted. We're starting to put a posture to think that because he's so loving, because he's so caring, because he's protecting us, because he's leading us beside the still waters, that we can just say anything to him. We can just come any kind of way. We can give any kind of way. We can have this attitude. And it's not of gratitude. I know that rhymes, but it's not of gratitude. It's ambivalence. It's being cavalier. It's I care about it, him when I want to. But look at Psalm 23. And I want to show you some things regarding a kingdom and a king and a God who's on the throne that even though we see him in this scripture as a shepherd, we are the sheep. And as we start to look at scriptures tonight, we're going to see that he's created us and we're the sheep. But the sheep can't treat the shepherd like some kind of sheep dog. And we just treat him any kind of way. That's not how it works. So when you see the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He is the ruler. He is the leader. He's the provider. He makes me lie down in green pasture. In his authority, in his direction, in his protectiveness, he's telling what to do, when to do, where to do it. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul in his lordship. He has the energy. He has the power, the supernatural power to give us restoration. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. That means he knows the wrong path and he's choosing, he's directing, he's overseeing us as sheep to go in the right paths. Even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil. There's nothing to fear because he is all powerful. He's mighty. The God that is on the throne is not a coward. He's not without courage. 
He's not without power. That's why you see that lion picture that I put up in our, in our picture today. People think that lion is the king of the jungle, but why do we treat God like he's a small mouse? When the problems come, when our dark valleys go in front of us, we think we have no covering. And that's not what this says. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You who are everything, you are who are the I am that I am, the Yahweh, the Elohim. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There is no enemy that can come before our great God that God will ever tremble. They tremble. Satan, as one of the people who was thrown out when he was Lucifer, he was thrown out by God. After his rebellion and the third of the host of angels, they were thrown out because of the power of our God. And he still in Job 1 has to come as one of the sons of God and give a report. And it's only when God allows Satan, the enemy, the devil, the beast, he's still under the control of God. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my lifetime, of my life, of my life. It's not a here today, gone tomorrow. He's a God of forever and eternity, everlasting and everlasting. And here, if you don't believe me, he says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, the forever house is not the church house here. We're the body of Christ. We're going to be the bride of Christ, the Lamb of God. The house that we're going to dwell in is with him in his new heaven, in his eternity that is forever and forever and forever. And this is why I bring this to all of our attention, mine included, not to ever take God so flippantly. is because things are happening. Things that were prophesied are starting to unfold. And we have to know what the word of God teaches us. We have to understand. We have to break it down to the baby levels, to the people that don't understand, who are just coming into the households of faith as new believers, new born again children, babes in Christ. We have to talk to them like babies so they can understand. If we talk up here and they don't understand, how is that helping them? We have to share the good news of the gospel in a way that they can understand. Now, we understand that the Bible teaches us when we come to God in prayer and when we come before the Lord, we're to come with thanksgiving and praise in our heart. We're to come boldly before his throne. We know all of those words, right? We know them, but some people still are apprehensive about coming. They think they have to be holy. There are none righteous. No, not one. Jesus Christ is the only one that's righteous. And he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus in Romans eight. We know that, right? However, there's something still going on that some of us don't want to approach the throne of God. Even though Christ says that he's going to God to be on the right hand of God, the father making prayers and intercession with groans on our behalf. But something about us, and that's why I said your approach to the throne, not Anita's approach, not your mama, not your daddy's, but your approach. We want to talk about it tonight because we need you to understand who God is, that he wants you to approach. He wants you to come before his presence 
With thanksgiving, yes. With reverence, yes. With some understanding, absolutely. So go to Psalms 100. We're going to be in Psalms 100. And I just want you to hear some things about going before his presence in his throne room. Your approach needs to be correct. Your heart, your mindset, your attitude, my heart, mindset, attitude has to be correct. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. See some of these same verbs that I just showed you that are all through the word of God when it comes to his presence. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence. So it's not like, I don't know if God wants me to come or not. I don't know if I really should. He says, come before his presence with singing. Doesn't matter if you don't sing like Roberta Flack or whoever these wonderful singers are, or Shirley Caesar and everybody you can think of. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. It's your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So it says, come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he's God, not us. Not Donald Trump, not President Biden, not anybody in a fleshly man. God is God. And we come before him with our petitions, our supplications, our requests, our sharing the adoration to him. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Is that easy to understand? Is that easy to understand? When we get puffed up and we have the inventions and we have the internet and we have all these things, we can go to the moon, we can go out to space, we can make this, we can do that. We're starting to get puffed up to think that we don't need God. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. That same Psalm 23, we're his sheep. We're not the shepherd, he's the shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So when you start to see in Revelations four, and you're gonna say the door was open, we're gonna get a, a bird's eye view from John of Patmos being in the spirit and seeing what's happening in the throne room of God, the heavenly places, the kingdom of God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Pastor is going to be talking for the next few weeks about thankfulness. But guess what? When you think that everything that you have is because of your hands, because of your intellect, because of your connections, because of your family lineage, because of your color, because of who you know, Everything we have is because of the grace and the mercy of God. But we have to realize that when we think of God, when we approach his throne in prayer and praise, in thought life, in service life, in submission and humility, we have to be thankful and prayerful and praiseworthy. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. All these lies on the internet, on these social medias, on these witchcraft, on these Satanist things that are going on that says that God is not good. That is a lie from the devil. His whole purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants you not to approach God. He wants you to be afraid of God. He wants you to be repelled by the goodness of God. He wants you to see God not as a shepherd, 
but he wants you to see God as a wolf, like he is. He wants you to see God as a destroyer, like he is. He wants you to see God as a liar, like he is. It says, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. Now move over to Psalm 65. I won't read all of Psalm 65. I'm going to be 65 verse four specifically, but you can read all of Psalm 65. But Psalm 65 verse four says, blessed is the man you choose. You is capitalized. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and of your holy temple. Many people are chasing drugs, alcohol, money, uh, people in relationships. All these things that we see, we call it the American dream. You will find that you can get all of those things and find that you're still empty, lacking, having a void, not having the wholeness and the completion that you will have once you understand that you need to approach the throne of God and submit your life to him, humble yourself to him, surrender yourself to him. The approach of recognizing that somebody loves you, that somebody knows every part of your dirt, beginning, middle, and end. And they said, I still love you. I want you to approach my throne. Now, before I go to Revelation, I want you to understand about God's holiness. Exodus 33 is where we're going to go. In Exodus 33, we know a lot about Moses. And Moses was at a place with his relationship with the Lord that, yes, he was getting the Ten Commandments. He was a friend. He, had the, he was at the tent of meeting, having these communications. And Moses Ask God, I want you to have your presence with us because if we don't have your presence, we're not going up. But he also wanted to kind of see God. And God had to share with him something that he didn't understand. Yes, God was speaking to him in the cloud, the pillar of the cloud that would come down to the tent of meeting and he would get instructions and to the point he's going to have the Ten Commandments. But God had to share with Moses that no man in this natural body, this flesh that all of us have, this tent that is earthly realm tent, corruptible flesh, you cannot see the holy God. Jesus put on flesh and deity so he could be seen as the incarnate Christ. That's why when he went to the Mount of Transfiguration, he turned himself inside out and he was so shining that they were like, whoa. And he was talking to Elijah and Moses, but that deity was, was revealed in such a way that it wasn't covered and masked by the flesh. He always was deity and, and man, but they didn't see it, but they got to see it. And here we are in Exodus 33. And Moses is going to have this conversation and I wish I could read it all to you, but let me just start with, um, I'm going to start over at verse 12. Then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, 
I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I've found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you. This is the Lord responding. And I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Now the Lord's going to start talking to him. He's already been talking, but he's going to start revealing things about himself as holiness. And in his holiness, there's only so much that in his natural earthly realm body that the Lord can allow him to see of himself, which is holy of holies. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken for. You have found grace in my sight and I know you by name. And he said, please show me your glory. Here's, here's the question. Here's verse. Here's this verse 18 where Moses wants to see his glory. He knows God. God has told him, don't come in. Make sure you wash. Make sure nobody's having sex. Don't come to the mountain. Don't do this. Don't do that. But now Moses says, show me your glory. We're friends. You know me by name. I want to see you. I want to have eye to eye with you. And many of us, as we think about our approach to God, we think that we can go boldly. Yes, we can go boldly before God's throne, but we have to recognize he's the Holy One. He's the shepherd. He's the Lamb of God. He's the King of Kings. We're not. We have to also remember that it's only because of Jesus Christ that we have access to the Father. We're not going in any kind of thing that we have done deserving. If they say, how are you in heaven? You better say, Jesus. Only through the grace of Jesus knowing me and I know him. If you say it's because of my, my background, my resume, because of my degrees, because of my family, because I was president, because I was an ambassador, because I was congressman, uh-uh. Only through Jesus Christ. It says, please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness, all my goodness pass, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, but he said, you cannot see my face. Your approach to the throne has to understand there are levels, there are limitations, there are boundaries because we are sinners saved by grace. We have our righteousness, not because of anything of us, but only because of Christ. And he's the one sitting at the right hand of God, the father making intercession. He's the one that's taken our sin on him. And God has accepted his free gift of salvation through his sinless blood. But he's telling Moses, you can't see my face, son. I know your name, but you can't see my face. For no man shall see me and live in this body. If I can, I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and show you that there's different celestial bodies and there's this natural body. The natural that we're in comes first. This natural plane comes first. And after we say goodbye to this tent, 
and we go to be with the Lord, we have the opportunity, that mystery that we don't understand, that we see our loved ones go through, we don't understand. They have to change. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be why my glory passes by, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand. His hand is so supernatural that he can make sure that his hand doesn't show all of his glory, enough to cover him so he won't die. His hand. So you have to understand, if if God is telling you that you can't see me and live, how do you think that when we go with a mindset of being cavalier to go to God, in just any kind of way, throwing up any kind of prayers, acting with any kind of attitude, acting like we're the ones that deserves to be heard, to be reverenced? No, we got to come correct. He says, I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And if you go on to read the next chapters, you'll see that they had to veil Moses's face because the anointing of the power of the glory of God was so powerfully strong and magnificent and bright. They had to tone it down. They could not see Moses because of the glory that was shining on him just after he saw the back part of God with God's hand and then briefly taken away for him to have a glimpse of his back. Now let's go to Revelation chapter four. The reason why I wanted to read and I'm going to read Revelations four is because, like I said, God's word does not return void. And Revelation says in Revelations 1, just to read this, you get a blessing. So listen to what this is going to say. I'm going to read in my bigger print. Revelations chapter 4. After this, talking about John, he had just gone through chapters 1, 2, and 3. And we're going to see something in chapter 3 before we leave the Revelation. But he says, after this, I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and pearls of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, crystal. It was clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The sound, the second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. 
Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. Your approach to the throne has to recognize this is a glimpse in the door of heaven being open for us to understand our approach to the throne. These are the four and 20 elders and the angels and they're bowing before God. What's going on with our attitudes and our mindsets and our cavalier attitude to say, I don't even need to go to God. I don't even need to go to the house of God anymore. I'll just do it virtual. He doesn't deserve me getting up and getting my posture out of the bed, getting dressed and getting prepared to go and praise him, to thank him, to serve him. I don't need to hear what the preacher has to say. I'll just figure it out and I'll just watch it on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and whatever TV set I want to find. The God of this throne, who sits on this throne, our approach has to be correct. Now go to chapter five, because this is just a continuation because in chapter three, he was talking to the churches, the seven churches, and there were some things that were going incorrectly there. And there was some correction going on to let them know what was happening. But in chapter four, after that discussion of the churches, we see this, we get a glimpse, a bird's eye view, an eagle eye view about the throne of God, the awe and reverence of God. To let us know we have to have an approach that's worthy of the Holy Father that sits. But look what we have with the Lamb, who's Jesus Christ. In chapter 5 of Revelation says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four 
living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb to be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Your approach to the throne has to remember who is sitting on the throne. Who is that lamb that was slain for us? Now, in the chapters before Revelations 4 started, the Lord spoke of the church of Laodicea. And I am sharing with us tonight because God gave it on my heart about this cavalier attitude, this ambivalence, this, this, this stage of being slothful, to be uncaring, unconcerned. Things are happening, saints of the living God. And those of you that don't know God, things are happening. But those of us who say we love God, I'm going to say exactly what Christ says into the church of Laodicea because we have some cold and we have some lukewarm. And God is saying, lukewarm and cold, you're all going to be spewed into the lake of fire because he says, I'd rather, he's going to vomit out those lukewarm, but those who are cold, you don't even have a concern about God. But it's not too late to turn, to turn, to open up your heart to God. Approach him with repentance. Approach him to acknowledge who Christ Jesus, his son, is for our salvation. So in verse 14 of Revelations 3, to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are 
wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. God has given me this word about your approach to the throne, not because Anita had a, no, God has given me the word of God to share, to teach, for me to hear six or seven times once I say it, because he loves us. God disciplines the one he loves, his children. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. He's saying in his word, be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now, I have a few, a few moments that I'm going to end. And thank God that this timing worked. First Corinthians chapter 15. Because. Sometimes I think we get caught up in the now. We get caught up in what we see and we're not understanding this is a temporary place. This is a temporary realm for those of us. Even what we see with the wars and the rumors of wars to come. The Lord is going to, when the Father says, he's going to crack the sky. But some of us may see the mystery, the change before that, and we need to be ready. My husband, I saw that he was in hospice and I knew that he was preparing for the change. And I read this scripture because he understood the truth of God's word. And so should we. We have to understand that our approach that we're preparing for now is in the natural, in the the natural realm. But there's a celestial realm. There's a spiritual realm that we have to understand. And death is a part. People are fearing death, but they have to have an understanding of death. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to start with verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies, but the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory because this body cannot see the father and live. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. We just showed Revelations 5. That's the last Adam, Jesus Christ. However... 
The spiritual is not first. Our celestial bodies are not first. We're in the terrestrial bodies. We're in this tensor going back to the dirt. But the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. That's us, guys. And as it is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have have borne borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on the incorruption and this mortal must put on the immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption and the this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Not sadness, but victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Make sure your approach to the throne is correct is coming forward toward the throne, not drifting away, not going to the wide gate, not doing the things that the devil, the Satan, the evil one, the beast wants you to do. We have to get serious. We have to wake up, saints. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Let us pray to the Lord of the harvest that we will have people that will go out and share the message of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have to do it, saints. But we have to know that our approach to the throne has to be correct. And there's nothing cavalier about God. He's holy, holy, holy and worthy of our praise. Lord willing, you will either have a video or you have me live next week. But God, be praised. I love you. God bless you.